Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Millwood Church. Hallelujah. You guys have your Bibles. Let's go to the book of Mark and find that 14th chapter. We're going to read Mark 14, 3 through 9. Now, what's interesting is that we actually have two texts today. We have a secondary text and a primary text. And, and so we're going to read the pretext is what we should call it, I guess, first, which is in Mark. And, and I want you to listen carefully to the story because it, it's going to be pretty much our foundation for our message, if you would. But what, what God is doing is trying to get our hearts. Yeah. He's trying to get our hearts in the right place to understand the heart behind thanksgiving to God. You gotta get your heart in the right state of mind. And so this first story is to get you in that place and then we'll get to our text. So I'm not gonna ask you to stand today, I'm just gonna read it and we're just gonna go through it. But let's just do this, we've never done this before. I wanna pray before we start, instead of after I read. Father, we just come before you, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for this day that you have made. Father, we rejoice, and we're so glad to be in it. Father, there's no other place that I'd rather be than right here in your arms serving you. Father, I know that you have a word for your people. I know that you're going to speak through these lips of clay. I speak blessings over this message. Father, I believe by faith there's going to be anointing that will fall fresh upon each and every soul in this building. And I pray, oh God, that you would hide your servant behind the cross and that today, Lord, you will be glorified in each and everything I say and do. I love you, Jesus, and I just ask, God, that you would have your way today. And we praise you now in the mighty name of Jesus. And God's people said amen and amen. So we're going to start in Mark chapter 14. We're going to read verses 3 through 9. This is going to be a familiar story. Most of you already know it, but we're going to, we're going to read it anyway because it's going to get our hearts in that place we need to be this morning for Thanksgiving. You got your place? Say amen. The Bible says, while Jesus was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. Everybody say very expensive. Very expensive perfume made of pure nard, and she broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Now let me read something from Luke 7 and 37, which is not in this text, but I want you to hear this. It said, a woman from that town who lived a sinful life. This is Mary. And she learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Our text says in verse 4, And some of those who were present were saying indignantly to one another, Why this waste of perfume? Now understand that, that, that when the world around us today and, and they see the things that we're willing to give and offer unto God, our worship, our praise, anytime we exalt God, 
they think to themselves, this is a waste. This is a waste of time. And so this is what Jesus is dealing with right here. Why this waste of perfume? Now, verse 5 says, it could have been sold for more than a year's wage and the money given to the poor, and, and they rebuked her harshly. Jesus says, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. Verse 7 says, the poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. Now, I want to highlight this next verse. Verse 8 says, she did what she could. Everybody say, she did what she could. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 8 and 12, for the willingness, for if the willing, everybody say, if the willingness, for if the willingness, for if the willingness, everybody say, I have to be willing. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. In other words, God's not going to ask you to give something that you don't have. Are you with me so far? And so she poured her perfume on the body before to prepare for my burial. He said, I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Now think about it. What a beautiful memorial she has left showing her love toward the Father. That was her her giving, her thanksgiving unto God. Now let's go ahead and go to our text. And as I read our text, as we go through our text today, I want you to keep that story in the back of your mind because it's, it's the things that you need to be considering, especially how she did what she could. Our text is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 6 through 12, you're going to be saying, this is our Thanksgiving message, and I'm going to say, yes, it is. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 6 through 12. The Apostle Paul says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly, everybody say sparingly. You know what's interesting is I, I'm going to stop for just a moment. I looked into the word sparingly, and I was going to share with you the Greek word, but I didn't want to butcher it. But I do want to share with you the definition for what this word really means. This word sparingly simply means to be stingy. (laughs) Isn't that hilarious? My mom said, don't be stingy. Don't be stingy. Hallelujah. That, That means to be willing to give freely. So our text says, remember this, whoever sows stingily (laughs) will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Verse 7 says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times having all you need you will abound in every good work as it is written they have 
They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich. Listen. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, that would be me, your pastor, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Let me have just a little prayer. Father, thank you for the reading of your word right now, Lord. I need your amazing grace. The grace right now to sow your seed into the hearts of your people. I praise you and I thank you in advance. In Jesus' name and God's people said amen and amen. Now, honestly, out of all the scriptures in the Bible that I could have used for thanksgiving, this one right here to me would have to be one of the most important ones that we could hear. Because if you guys can get, I don't know if you're going to get this, but if you can get hold of this revelation that, that is woven into our story, these stories today, if you can get hold of these revelations, they will completely change your life forever. In other words, you're going to have to focus because you may not hear what I say unless the Holy Spirit reveals what he needs to reveal to you. Because some of you may need to hear something else. Somebody else may need to hear this or that. But, but the Holy Spirit knows exactly what you need to hear at the time you need to hear it. Because I believe by faith that when I stand up here, this message is not just for some people, but this message is for everyone. And so let's begin with the title of our sermon today. Our sermon is simply entitled, Thanksgiving to God. I want you to turn to your neighbor this morning and say, neighbor, this woman named Mary, she gave out of a thankful heart unto Jesus. Now here's what I want you to think about. She sowed these seeds over 2,000 years ago and today in the year 2023 she is still reaping the benefits from what she sowed into the life of Jesus Christ in other words don't ever think that what you're doing for God will be lost because every single thing I, I, I don't care if it's from planting flowers or cleaning the church, or, or, or making flyers for, for, for the church, the, the bulletins. Whatever you do for God, I can promise you it will not be forgotten. The Bible said that every tear that we cry will be kept in a jar. God loves us so much that he knows every single hair on our head. He knows every thought we have. He is so concerned with us today, and he is desiring for us today to learn simple principles that will help us in the long run. Are you with me so far? And think about this. Her offering, 
her offering was valued over, over a year's wage. Now, I was, I was interested in this morning, so I asked Siri. I asked Siri lots of questions. Do y'all ask Siri? Siri, Siri. And I said, Siri, what is the average, average wage of a man? And so she gave me a list of different ages. So I went to the middle age, between 30 to 35 years old. It says that the average is $63,596 a year. Now, I don't know what you guys make a year. I don't even know what I make a year if I make that much. It doesn't matter, but, but I want you to consider this. Think about what you actually bring in just about a year, plus a little more, and then consider giving all that as an offering unto God. That's a big offering. But, but here's what you really have to ask yourself. Would that offering be worth what he's worth? Man, if I had a million to give to Jesus, it's not even close to what he's worth to me. Because the, the, there's no price. Because once you fall, and I'm talking about not just thinking about, but I'm talking about fall in love with Jesus Christ where, where he becomes number one in your life, where he becomes your only thought, when he becomes, he, he, he becomes what you think about all day long. In other words, his word is so important, it consumes you. When he becomes that important to your life, you will begin to follow in the footsteps of Mary. In other words, you're going to get to this place where no matter what anybody else is doing, it doesn't matter what they do because I'm going to give Jesus Christ the very best that I can give. And it doesn't matter if you have $5 or $5,000 or $5 million because if it's the best you have, if it's all that you have to give and you give it out of love, I can promise you, it's a seed that will be planted not just for a little time, but it'll be a seed that will be planted for eternity. And God is not going to forget it. And I think that God's trying to, to get us in a right state of mind of, of thanksgiving. Because I don't know about you today, but, but I know this is not in my notes. It doesn't matter because I'm thankful today. I'm thankful that I have a place that I can come and worship my king. I'm thankful that I have friends that I love and my friends love me. And I'm thankful for each and every one of you. I'm thankful for my family, my children. I'm thankful for my grandchildren and the ones that are coming. I'm thankful for my life, my health, my strength. I have a lot to be thankful for. And, and, and Thanksgiving is not about turkey. It's not about, it's not about pumpkin pie. But, but Thanksgiving is getting back to that place where you begin to realize that I have something to be thankful for today. Can I get an amen? Ooh, hallelujah. But, but in the story, we, we didn't read this because this is in the other Gospels, but there's like the same stories in three other Gospels. But, but in the story, we, we, we find that Simon the leper, he's watching Jesus. And this, this woman who, who lived a sinful life, she, she's coming to Jesus because Jesus has done a great thing in her life. She's been forgiven. And so she comes to Jesus, she breaks the jar. She didn't just pull the cap off, she breaks it open. So he, she's going to pour every drop upon his life. 
And, and, and Simon, instead of seeing the beautiful gift, he's thinking to himself. He says, well, if, if this man was truly a prophet, he would know exactly what type of woman she was. And Jesus being God himself manifested in the flesh, he, he knew exactly what Simon was thinking. And so you know how Jesus, he worked, he worked through parables. And so Simon, he tells this little parable in Luke 7, 40 through 43. Are y'all enjoying this? See, the Bible says, Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you or something to ask you. Tell me, teacher, he said. He said, two men owed a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, which $500, let's just say that. And the other owed him 50 bucks. But neither one of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both of them. He said, now, which of them will love him more? And Simon said, Lord, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. He said, Simon, you have judged correctly. See, some people don't understand my radical love for Jesus. And I may not understand yours either because I don't know where you came from. I don't know what you did in the past and, and I probably will never know, but I do know one thing, that I know that the God we serve is forgiving. He's merciful and his love endures forever and, and, and every time I think about what God has brought me from it doesn't take much to get me to the place of, of thanksgiving I know last night my, my, my son came to see me for the first time it's been over six I don't know how long a long time and, and Krista said you didn't say much I said I didn't even know what to say I was just in awe just to have him in my house Sometimes you come to God and you don't even know what to say. That's okay. You just get in His presence and just enjoy His love that endures forever. And you just, you get in the presence of God and, and He can see in your heart and He knows when you're thankful. And He knows that you're excited about having the opportunity just to be with Him. I don't know what you're going to do the first thousand years in heaven, but I'm probably just going to sit at his feet. Just to admire him. Just to look upon his beauty. To see those nail-scarred hands. Oh, hallelujah. Those nail-scarred feet. And look at the brow that is scarred and the back that is... Come on, Amen. Now understand that, that a cheerful giver is someone who gets excited about the opportunity to be a blessing to others. But on the other side, you have those who are reluctant. They're, they're irritated about the opportunity that's set before them. In fact, some people get irritated, upset about that little thing called the offering plate. That they see it coming and they don't see the opportunity that God is setting right before them. 
Instead, that they see that it's just a way to make another preacher rich or, or how someone else can get wealthy off the church. It doesn't work like that. Listen, yes, there are people who are preaching for the wrong reasons. But, but, but when we pass the opportunity before you, God is saying, listen, I'm giving you the grace to do something great in someone's life. Because it doesn't matter how long we live on this earth, people are going to be in need. There's going to be bills that need to be paid. There needs to be Bibles that need to be bought and food to be put in the food pantry. We live in a world today that there are a lot of people who are hurting and are in need. And I wish that, that we could just load them up and just bring them here and, and begin with their spiritual need because it doesn't matter how much turkey and, and, and potatoes we give them, it'll never fill or satisfy what they need on the inside because until they get to that place with God where they, they understand what being thankful is all about, then, then they never can really celebrate Thanksgiving in the, in the proper manner. I'm reminded of at the judgment seat when Jesus, when he separates us from the right and to the left, he's going to put his, his sheep on his right. Those who are blessed of the Lord and those on the left who, who are the goats who didn't believe or trust him. But, but, but I want you to hear these words because these words are the, are the words that the Christ will be saying at the judgment seat. He will be responding to those who gave to the kingdom. He will say these words, Matthew 25 35 through 40, 34 through 40. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father. Everybody say, I'm blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave, gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you put clothes on me. I was sick and you looked up after me. You looked after me. I was in prison and you came and visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? and thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger invite you in and in need for clothes and clothed you? When did we see you sick or in prison or go to visit you? Then the king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Come on, everybody say amen. Now honestly, when God, when he gave me these, these scriptures, these texts for our, our sermon this week, I had to smile from ear to ear, Carl. I, I couldn't help but grin because what you have to understand is that I have spent the majority of my Thanksgiving on the wrong side of the spectrum because my Thanksgiving was not Thanksgiving. It was all about thanks receiving. Because to me, years ago, Thanksgiving was all about going back to mama's house sitting in a table and eat till I can't even move anymore. And then go to the couch. Come on, amen. Make my way to the couch, watch some parades, watch some football games, and fall into a food coma. 
trying to make more room for pumpkin pie or pecan pie. I don't like apple. Kristen likes apple, but I like pecan. Woo, hallelujah. And see, I, I'd fall, but, but you see, that is not thanksgiving. That's all about thanks receiving. And, 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 and that is what we do a lot of times at church. We come here to, to receive. When I look across the congregation, I don't sometimes see people, but I, I see little birds saying, feed me, feed me. <laughs> That's what I see. I, ever since I was a child, I, I was funny about birds. And I would watch, I had a bird nest, God put one right by my window. And, and the little cardinal, she had babies, and I'd watch them every day, and she would come and bring them and feed them. And, and I've always raised chickens, but, but I love chickens. I've had chickens ever since I was probably eight to ten. But, but, but chickens are hungry. Them are the hungriest creatures in the world. And, and, and I can promise you, you throw out a little grain and they will scratch and they will dig and they will look and search until they get what they're looking for. And that is the attitude we have to have about reading the Word of God. We need to get hungry. We need to get thirsty for the Word of God. We need to dig and scratch and look for that Word that God has for us. And once we receive that Word, we don't just hold it, and, but, but, but we lay the egg. Come on, amen. And we take it out and we give it to others so somebody else can enjoy what God has given us. That, my friend, is not called thanks receiving. That's called thanks giving. I don't know where this is coming from, but it's popping in my head. I'm just going to say it. See, see, see the, the pig and the chicken began to talk with each other. And, and the, the, the chicken says, said, I'm going to give the farmer some eggs this year. And the pig said, I'm not going to give him nothing because if I give him some bacon, it's going to cost me something. The egg ain't going to cost you much, but, but this bacon going to cost me everything I have. I know that's crazy, but that's just what the Holy Spirit laid on my heart. I just go with that. <laughs> Woo. But Paul tells us in Acts 20 and 35, he said, In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, who said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus said in Mark 10, 7 and 8, He said, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's near. He said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy and drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. God said, I don't give you all these gifts these seeds, these blessings, so that you just sit on them. The kingdom of God is all about giving. Jesus went to the cross and he gave all that he had. He was all about thanksgiving. He was thankful to the Father for the opportunity to give to the world. And he gave not just a little, but he gave the best, and because of what he gave, you and I today, we can participate in something called Thanksgiving. Are you with me so far? Now, I'm really interested in history 
And, and, and I don't know if you guys remember, but you see there was a group of people who, who lived in England back in 1620. And they, 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 they paid and got this money for this ship called the Mayflower. And they traveled over 1,500 miles across the ocean and they came to a place called Massachusetts. A place that, 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 that was called, they, they named it, let me find my notes, I can't remember, the, the Plymouth Colony. And through the trials and tribulations, these men had lost their wives, they lost children, they lost their husbands, they lost grandparents, and, and many people died. But, 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 but they, God had brought them to this new land and the land was fertile and they planted the little seeds that they had and they planted and they had a great harvest and they said, you know, we're just going to celebrate. We're going to call it Thanksgiving because I have a lot to be thankful for. And they planted it and they shared with what they had with the Indians who lived, who helped them to sow corn. Y'all remember the story. And we live in a country today of freedom. And many people have forgotten the simple principles of being thankful for what we do have. We are free in this country because men and women have went on the battle lines and have fought for the freedom. And even though the enemy is still trying to steal our freedom, we're still free. And I don't know about you, but I am thankful and so I, I'm sure that, that, that the, the, the pilgrims, they, they use Psalms 104 where, where they would teach your children that, that when you come before God, you enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. I, I think it was, it was Moses who said in 1 Chronicles 16 and 34, he said, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Now, I want you to understand this. We need to get into the state of mind. We need to be merry-minded here. We need to get to the place that, that when I come before God, night or day, whenever I come before God, I don't come to God empty-handed. You may not have two dimes to rub together in your pocket, but that don't mean you come to God empty-handed. If you have anything to be thankful for, if you have any hope in your life, if you have any love, if you've been forgiven, you have something to give back to God, and that something is called worship. That when I look at worship, I see a ship on the shore, and, and God said, I want you to fill up the ship with what you have. What am I worth to you? And you take all that I'm worth, fill up that ship with that, what it's worth, what I'm worth, and send that ship right to me. That's worship. God is worth more than I'm able to give. But I'm going to say it. As long as I have breath in my lungs, as long as my heart has another beat in it, I'm going to give God some glory. I'm going to give God a thank you. I may not know where I'll be living tomorrow, but I know one thing, God is good. And I praise Him, hallelujah. I like the heart of David 
David had, had came to a place and, and he was going to offer a sacrifice unto God and, and he came to a man named Aruna and he said, I'll buy the land, I'll buy the wood, I'll buy the animal, I'll buy all this because I'm not going to give God a sacrifice that doesn't cost me something. Second Samuel 24, 24, but the king replied to Aaron, no, I insist on paying for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that does not cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor, the oxen, paid 50 shekels of silver for them. David understood you don't tip God. He's worth more than a tip. God is worth everything you have. We have to follow the example of Paul, 1 Corinthians 11 and 1. He says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. John 10 11. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I think God is desiring for us to be a living sacrifice unto him. To, to know, don't allow yourself to get caught up in, in so much that you, you're not God-minded. You're cowboy-minded or you're work-minded or you're job-minded, whatever it is, it's, it's good to keep that in your mind, but, but don't let it overtake you. Your bills can overwhelm you. Your, your, your problems can overwhelm you. Your, your, your mistakes will take over. But, but if you can get into that place where it's just you and God and you just fall on your knees before God and say, Lord, you know, I have nothing to give you today, but thank you. And I can promise you, you'll probably enter to a place with God that you hadn't been in a long time. I want to say this. I know it's not in my notes, but, but I'm thinking about Miss Paula right now. You know, she had a, a slight heart attack. But, but I promise you, when, when no one was in the room, but it was just her and God, she was probably thankful to be alive. I bet she said, Lord, thank you for giving me a little more time on this earth. Because when you face the valley of the shadow of death and you walk through it, I can promise you your whole attitude will change. You, you begin to think about, no, I've been taking life for granted. You, you'll begin to look at your family different. You'll begin to look at the blessings different. You'll begin to look at life different. So, so I'm saying, don't let God have to take you to that place to get you in the right state of mind. You, you need to get in, in the heart of thanksgiving right now while you can, you see. And you need to understand that, that the God we serve is all about thanksgiving because the Bible teaches us that, that the scriptures is built around one text. The church is built around John 3, 16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He's showing us right there, I gave the best I had, my only son. 
so you could live. So you could spend eternity with me. And so Paul, he's trying to encourage us today to participate in the greatest opportunity in life, and that is called sowing into life. You sow into life by sowing into families. You sow into life by sowing into the church. You sow into life by sowing into strangers, and you sow into life for sowing in, into eternity. You see, your offerings does not end here. Your offerings unto God are not forgotten, but they go on for eternity. Jesus tells us, he says, Matthew 6, 19 through 21, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. He said, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our text says in verse 7, each of us should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Let me, let me break that down for you if I can. When the Bible says under compulsion, that, that, that simply means that, that it'd be like the man of God taking the scriptures and using them in a way to bring condemnation over your life where you give reluctantly, like Scrooge. Come on, amen. See, see, if I take the word of God and I misuse it in a way that you feel guilty about not giving, and you give out of, the, out, of, out of that, I can't receive the blessing, you won't receive the blessing. It's just like the individual who gives to be seen. Come on, amen. Let's read that. Matthew 6, 1 through 4. Y'all enjoying this? Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will not have reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues or on the streets to be honored by others. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And the most important verse of our text is found in verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. What this is saying is this. The moment you step out in faith... To give. God says, listen, when you do that, grace is right on the other side waiting for you. You say, God, I, I can't, this is the best I got. He said, take it and use it for my glory. And I can promise you, I, would, I will bless it. Grace is just waiting. It's waiting right now for you to have enough faith in God to do what he says. And so when you trust God, and you love God, it doesn't matter what I say. I'm not trying to convict you. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to, I'm doing this for a reason because we're about to get to it. Because when you, when you step over that line, 
in the grace of God, three things happened in your life. Three things. Verse 10 tells us, now he who, now he who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And so number one on the list, God is promising, promising us today, if you'll be faithful with what he's given you, that he will increase your store of seed. You say, man, I, I ain't got but five seeds. Great. Next year, if you'll trust God with that five seeds, next year you'll probably have 15 or 20 seeds. And, and the more you trust God with the seed, the more seed he gives you to plant. If you don't have any seed in your pocket, it may be because you haven't been planting any into the kingdom. Does that make any sense at all? Listen to what Malachi said in 3 and 10. He said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, Thanksgiving, that there may be food in my house, the bread of life. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessings that there will not be room enough for you to store it. I will bless you so greatly that you will not be able to contain what I give you. My bulk trash can is always full. Why? I have an abundance. I'm a blessed man. Simply because I have trusted God with the little seeds he gives me. He may give me 10 seeds this year and I'll take those 10 seeds and I will sow them back into the ground because my dad told me years ago, even before I was saved, son, you can't outgive God. He wasn't even a church-going man, but, but that, that was strange coming from Pop. Son, you can't outgive God. One of the greatest Thanksgivings I ever had, Thanksgiving, that, that we came into town from, from my, my wife's grandparents or her, her mom's, I can't remember. But I know that, that we, we, we made this big plate full of everything that we had on the table. I said, we're going to take it to my uncle because he lives in a little trailer out there and he's all alone on Thanksgiving. It was 6 o'clock, it was already dark, and we woke him up. He was already in bed, done gave it up for the day. Yeah. Turned on his little light, put his clothes on, got out of bed, and we had Thanksgiving with him. That was the greatest Thanksgiving I ever had because it wasn't about me filling myself up, but taking something to somebody else. That's Thanksgiving. Number two, enlarge your harvest of righteousness. Matthew 25 and 23, his master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Every time that we take those little seeds and we sow it into people's life, you are putting a smile on God's face. Woo! You want to make God happy? Give to somebody in need. I'm not saying make the church rich. I don't care about that. I'm talking about helping somebody. 
We see them everywhere we go. They need help. And yes, majority of those people take advantage of us. We know it. But let God determine, not you. Because you'll find yourself sitting on the judge's seat. Come on and look at them crazy. I do it, you do it, we did it. We need to quit that. We need to trust God with the seed. Number three, you will be made rich in every way. That, that means you'll be rich spiritually, mentally, and physically. Luke 6 and 38. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure. Press down. Shaking together, running over into your lap. For the measure you use will be measured unto you. Now, I'm, I'm, the sermon's over, but I feel there's something else I need to say. I think this story's for somebody here. Years ago, this, this little poor kid, little white kid, poor. His family was dirt poor. It was back in the 40s. And, 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 and every day he would, he would go by the, the, the candy store. And, and the candy store had barrels and barrels and barrels of candy. And every day he'd, he'd walk by and he would look through the glass at, at all the candy. And he longed to have some. And one day he, he got the courage up. He was just a little kid, man, six-year-old. And he finally went in and he had the courage to go in. He had no money, he had nothing to give. And he stood and just got right in front of the barrel. And the, the old man was a huge man. And he looked at the young boy and said, Son, just take your hand, take a handful, it's free. I give it to you. And the little boy just stood there and the old man said, come on, son, just take your hand and, and, and fill it up and, and have what you want and it's free. It don't cost you nothing. He still did not move. And finally, the, the old man got frustrated and he took his huge hands and he filled them up and he just said, here, and he put it in the boy's hand and candy went everywhere. He said, son, why were you waiting? Why were you waiting for, 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 for me to do it? He said, because my hands are too little. He said, I saw your hands. If I could get him to put his hands into the, the bucket, I'll be more blessed. In other words, God said, quit trying to wait on what you can accomplish with your little hands. But you need to understand that I got some big hands up here. And my hands are big enough to, to bring blessings that your little hands cannot accomplish. So you're going to have to wait upon the Lord because those who wait upon the Lord shall renew the street. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. But you got to get your hands out of the barrel. Let me do the digging. Let's all stand. I love you guys and I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for you. See, you, you weren't the only one thinking. Because I'm thinking, well, what if God took her home? 
then I wouldn't have you here to preach to. See, you're not the only one who's hurting. So when we hear about you going through something, we, we all feel the pain. And we, we want to try to do something. That's what family does. Family cares for family. We may have different blood running through our veins, but we're still family. You're still my brother. You're still like my father. You might be the only grandfather I have left today. And I say, I love you, man. Come on, amen. And I look across here. I don't see my, my brothers or my sisters, but, but, but I see y'all. I see my son and wife. That's okay. Because you guys mean the world to me. And I hope that you have a, a blessed Thanksgiving. But don't spend it receiving. Spend this Thanksgiving doing something for somebody. And if you don't have much to do, use what little you have because God is going to smile on it. Let's all pray. Father, if there's someone here that needs prayer today, please bring them up. Maybe they have already received what they've been looking for the whole time. Maybe the big hand of God just served them up whatever they needed. But Lord, help us to remember today that we will always have the poor with us. And we can help them anytime we please. And, and help us, Lord, to remember they do need help. And let us spend this Thanksgiving giving and not receiving. We love you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. And God's people said amen and amen. You have a blessed week.